see the title picture up there and I, I ask you, when in your life have you pushed that hard? When you give that kind of strenuous effort towards something? For most of us, the last time we did that is going to the dinner table a couple days ago, you know? When have we done that spiritually? Now, today we're going to do just a, a quick word study of a single Greek word that I want you to catch on to. Let me, let me show you the English translations of this word. Look at the next slide there. You've got the word intense, fervent, strenuous. You know, that word fervent means fire, means to be hot. Uh, earnest, which means, you know, to be serious about something deeply. It even it sometimes is translated to agonize over something, to push yourself so far that you're in agony. And you can see on the bottom of the screen there that this word is a medical term that literally means stretching a muscle to its limit. It means total effort. Look, guys, you understand, and I understand physically, that you don't grow stronger without stretching your muscles. If you go work out and you don't push yourself to a point where your muscles are stretched, even torn, then, then you won't grow stronger. You got to stretch. And we talk about stretching, you know, it's one thing just to, to sort of bend over. It's another thing, is it, to, to bend over and to be able to touch your toes. I'll tell you right now from experience, it hurts a little bit. There's a little bit of agony of pushing yourself that way. And spiritually, what we're looking at today are ways that we stretch ourselves beyond what normally goes on. I, I want to ask you, spiritually, are you stretching yourself? You see, at times, I think about pushing myself in lots of areas, but not spiritually. Somehow we have the idea spiritually that it just sort of naturally happens. And, and maybe it falls in place and maybe it doesn't. And certainly God's powerful enough. If he wants me to grow, he'll just zap me one day and I'll grow. But the truth is, like Paul said in Philippians, he said, you are to work out your own salvation. He's not talking about working for your salvation. He's talking about working out the implications of your salvation. You are to work out your salvation with fear and trembling and then listen to the next part. For it's God who works within you for his own purposes. It's a joint effort where God works in me and I work out my salvation. I strain. Now today, we're going to look at three different areas for you to stretch yourself. These are three areas in scripture where this word is, is used. Number one, stretch yourself in love. All right. First Peter chapter four, verse eight. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. I, I like what the message says there. You are to love each other as if your life depended on it. Push yourself. Express that love. Now listen to me, friends. Here's what makes the church such a special place. We are the laboratory where a love the world does not know about is experienced. Uh, Peter is commanding the church there to stretch yourself, push yourself beyond your limits to love each other. And I, I challenge you here today as we're all together, would you stretch yourself in the way we love each other? Part of that is we just got to be together. We've got to put ourselves in assemblies like this and small groups where, where you actually get into relationships with people that are different than you. 
Maybe people that you don't naturally would pick to be with, but because of Jesus, you find yourself together and you stretch yourself in love. And here's what happens. The church becomes the place where people can find love like they can find it nowhere else. I mean, think about our culture today. Think about all the racial tension in America surrounding the police and the shootings. And all you got to do is get on the internet and read what's going on. All you got to read is some of the vile and the hatred, sometimes from Christians, about this whole subject. And you say, that's not who we're supposed to be. We're to be the laboratory where the races experience something they couldn't experience anywhere else. We're the place where people with whatever sin issue they have are able to come and experience acceptance and love. Because we're going to stretch ourselves in the way that we love each other. Now, that laboratory that happens in the church then reaches out to our families. It reaches out to where we work. It reaches out to where we go to school. Here's my challenge for you to stretch yourself. Who's somebody that you have a difficult time loving? Maybe somebody you work with or you go to school with. Or it might even be somebody that you go to church with and you've been thankful they went to the other service. Don't be looking at somebody right now, okay? And it's a, it's a stretch for you to, to be able to love them. Because that's how we grow. So who is that person who comes to your mind? Might be, might be somebody in your family just being together during the holidays. You're reminded of that person in your family that gets on your last nerves. And you're thankful they only come once a year. Could you push yourself to love that person? Because of the, here, here's the deal. Because of the love we've experienced in Christ when we were unlovable, because of the love we experienced being a part of the family of God, which is unlike anything else in the world, we now are able to go out in our community, in our families, in our homes, in our workplaces, and love people that maybe nobody else would love. I used to ask my kids every time I was dropping drop them off at school, who is somebody in your class who's left out? Who's the person in your class that's left out of everything, would you go to school and reach out to that person and make a difference? So stretch yourself in love. Here's the second way this, this word's used. Stretch yourself in service. Acts 26, 7, earnestly serving God day and night. One modern translation says, work up a sweat serving God day and night. You see, here's where love gets an action. Where I do something for the people that I need to stretch myself for. As a church, we've had a great year in the year 2014 of serving. I, I love the theme that we've tried to, tried to mention that our goal is not to be the best church in our community. Our goal is to be the best church for our community, amen? Now, we, we want to be the church where, where people are served beyond what they would ever expect. And so many of you have been a part of great projects. I think about Meredith Foundation just over the last couple of weeks. And all the kids who had Christmas because of your generosity. I think of uh, an effort in one of our ABC groups led by Tom McGillberry to, to make bags to give out to homeless people. I, I think about those of you who serve at Gibbs Village. There's one group in this church I really want to point out, and that's, that's all the people who serve on our mission vision team. 
As we've been without a missions minister, you carried an unbelievable load. We're so thankful that the Johnsons are here. And many of you have put in hour after hour to take care of our missionaries and to keep it going. And I love that. But here's the challenge for all of us. The problem with service, if we're not careful, is it becomes a project. Let's have our latest church service project or life group service project. Those are great. I love that. But those are simply meant to help me develop a lifestyle of service where it's not some church project. It's who I am everywhere I go. I see needs and I serve. And I begin to love those people that maybe nobody else is loving. So I want to challenge you to stretch in this area. That service becomes more than just a box you check off. Okay, I served in the soup kitchen this Christmas. Good, awesome. But who you serve when you get back in your regular routine tomorrow? Who you love on in an extraordinary way? In this church, we're in great need of servant leadership. We need many of you men to make it your goal and ambition to be a shepherd in this church. That's a servant role. I find a lot of people are afraid of that because you know the time commitment and the way our shepherds serve. And we think, you know what, I, I like going to church, I like being a part of this thing, but man, to, to put myself out like that, that's a little risky. That's the future of this church is dependent on men, men and women raising up to leadership levels where you serve in powerful ways. Now challenge yourself, where this year will you stretch in your service? And then there's one more area. Stretch yourself in prayer. But you love the story in Acts chapter 12, verse 5, where Peter's in prison. Here's what the Bible says. So Peter was kept in prison, but prayer for him was being made fervently, there's our word, by the church to God. We got a problem. Peter's in prison. What are we going to do? We are going to pray. We're going to extend ourselves in prayer. The church is making a total effort to pray for his release. They prayed with fire. They prayed with intensity. We, we, we might say they were totally lost in prayer. Now, don't get me wrong. They're not perfect because Peter gets released, knocks on the door, and they don't believe it's him, right? They didn't have perfect faith. But they had enough faith to say, you know what? We don't need to go to the authorities. We don't need to come up with some kind of plan. We just need to get on our knees before God and to pray to him fervently. It's really what James 5, 16 says. Here's the other verse that mentions our word. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. I like the translation. It accomplishes a lot. But let's be honest here. Almost every Christian I know struggles in our prayer life, don't we? Who among us could actually say, I pray enough? I find it difficult. And that's why the Bible uses words like, you know, fervency. And, and Paul talks about in Romans 15 that he has to, to wrestle in his prayer life. Now, listen to me. 
If you really want to have a great prayer life, I think we all want to go, you know, it's just going to naturally happen. I love God. God loves me. And so, man, just naturally, I'm just going to spend an awful lot of time in prayer. The truth is you're going to have to stretch yourself. You're going to have to push yourself. You're going to have to exercise some muscles that may be a little bit sore. You know, what if, I think the great challenge is for us as a church is to be fervent in prayer and our prayer life even together. So awesome being able to fit everybody in here today on this sort of a day we knew was going to be a little bit off attendance-wise. And I can remember times in this church where a brother could get on the phone and he could have 20 or 25 people up here at midnight because in that day we might could have filled half of this section. And we were desperate as a church. Most people didn't think Landmark would make its building payment. And in that desperation, guys, we prayed, man. When the elders got together, we weren't sitting around a table talking. We were on the floor praying. And when something would come up, somebody would just get on the phone, and you'd come up to this place in the middle of the night, and people just begging God. I can just be very honest with you. We have lost that intensity. And success breeds just being satisfied with the status quo. And my friends, when we look out there and we see the lost people and the people hurting, we need to regain an intensity as a church about our prayer life. I'm telling you, the biggest way to cut this crowd intent is to call a prayer meeting and say, would you all show up tonight? I guarantee you. Because we know it's hard work and it might be boring. But my friends, what we got to recapture is the idea of not that we need to pray fervently, but that we need to fervently talk to a God who could do anything about anything. And so we gather to pray. I challenge you, to, for as a church, for us to stretch ourselves. I challenge you as an individual. What are some ways you could stretch yourself in prayer? Praying for your enemies. Who's somebody who did you wrong this past week, this past year? I challenge many of you. You want to change your marriage? Start praying with your spouse out loud. I know for many women in our fellowship, praying out loud is not something we grew up with. And so we're uncomfortable. And you're going to have to stretch yourself to do it. But I don't apologize to challenge you because it will change you. It will change your marriage. It will change a friendship if you started praying together. Maybe you need to start praying Scripture if you're struggling in your prayer life. Just go to the Bible and pray the Scripture to God. Stretch yourself in prayer. Find a new way to pray. You see, here's the picture we're talking about. Let me show you one more passage this morning. Here's the picture. Paul gives this picture of this word in Philippians 3. He doesn't use the word, but he pictures the word. Listen to Philippians chapter 3, verse 12. He says, not that I've already obtained all this, or have already been made, or already arrived at my goal. But I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. What's he talking about here? Context, Philippians chapter 3. Paul is talking about his old life and all of his incredible achievements as a Pharisee and all the things that he had done that were way above ordinary. And then he talks about coming to know Christ, and he says, to know Christ makes every bit of this stuff look like it's absolute dung. It's trash. It's nothing to me. Now what I want more than anything else is I just want to know Jesus. And I want to know what it's like to suffer with him. And I want to know the power of his resurrection. And that's what brings us this passage. 
Paul, how intensely are you seeking this? I'm like a runner exerting every muscle to the finish line. Look at verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straightening toward what is ahead. I mean, here, here's the picture. 1954, what was called the Miracle Mile. John Bannister was racing, I mean, Roger Bannister was racing John Landy. Bannister would break the record that day for the, the mile. It was called the Miracle Mile. And it only happened at the end of the race. John Landy had been beating Bannister the whole race. And right at the end, he looked back to check where Bannister was. And it gave a split second for Bannister to pass him and to break the record. And Paul says spiritually, if you keep looking back, if you keep thinking about the past, you're going to be in trouble. You've got to put that behind you. And now look at the intensity of verse 14. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. You hear that word there? I'm pressing on. I'm stretching. I'm pushing. He even used a word that we don't really like. I'm straining. With everything in me to reach the goal. What's the goal? The goal is Jesus. That's the goal. Now, how do we get started on this? Let's talk about this just a couple moments. If you're going to start stretching yourself, let me give you two things you must do as you enter this new year to get started. First of all, you're going to have to be focused. That, that's the powerful thing about what Paul says here. Paul says, I'm so determined about this deal that there is one thing that I do. Really? Paul, that's a lie. Paul, you're a tent maker, you're a preacher, you're a writer. Come on, you do more than one thing. No, Paul's saying, in comparison to the effort I put into knowing Christ and living for Him, everything else I do looks secondary. You can look at Paul's life and Paul says, okay, sum my life up in one sentence with one thing. And Paul says, you could do it easily. It's everything about pursuing Jesus Christ with every ounce of energy I have. Can I ask you this? If you were to ask your family or your friends or the people who know you the best and they had to sum your life up in one sentence with one thing you do, what would it be? So I love about Paul. I love the fire, the intensity, the push of it being about one thing. Now remember this. If you're not stretching, if there's not a little bit of pain involved in this, if you're not uncomfortable, you're not going to be doing this. You see what I'm saying? You got to push. Now, I, I want to to interview a, a great friend that I just have great respect for, Brian Davis. Brian, would you come up here just for a moment? And I just want to talk to Brian a little bit because I think Brian can help us. Because when I see Paul's running analogy, um, I'm, I'm sort of turned off because I hate to run. I am flat-footed and about the slowest person you've ever seen, all right? <laughs> and... Um, Brian, though, is training for a marathon. 
He's already run a half marathon, and now he's training for a marathon. And, and in my mind, my first question is, why in the world would you want to do that? That sounds like absolute torture. <laughs> I think the first thing that comes to mind for me is, um, you know, wanting to stay in shape. Um, you know, that's part of it. Uh, I'm competitive by nature. And so, um, you know, being able to compete in a race gets those competitive juices flowing again. Um, I'd say on top of that, you know, working toward a goal. Um, you know, one, of my, one thing on my bucket list is to run a marathon. And so knowing that, now, you Would know, you remind everybody how far a marathon is? <laughs> 26.2 miles. Okay. So it's, a, it's a really long ways. <laughs> um, but yeah, just, you know, the sense of, of working toward a goal. There's a finish line in a race. And um, when you get there, just that sense of accomplishment knowing that, you know, all the time and effort and energy you put into um, to attaining that goal and then finally be able to, to say that you did it. Um, and then I'd say lastly, um, you know, maybe this is the most important thing, is uh, getting one of those stickers on the back of my vehicle. It says 26.2, yeah. Is that what that means? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I thought it was a radio station. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Now, Ron, when you talk about that... Um, in other words, I, I get from you, you don't just wake up one day and go run a marathon. So, so what is the key to being able to do this? Definitely it's the training and preparation. I mean, you know, running a marathon, it's not something that you can just go out there cold turkey and do. Um, it takes months of training. And, um, you know, that's, that's really what it takes is uh, just putting forth the effort, having the right mindset and uh, having a goal in mind. And, you know, you just got to put in the time and sweat. And um, it goes back to having that, that simple sense of uh, accomplishment. So uh, you may not have an estimate of this, training for the half marathon. Do you have any idea how many miles you've run <laughs> in trying to get ready for this thing? Um, every weekend, you know, you have a long run that builds up to it. And uh, you start out in the beginning a 12-mile, and then you build 13, 14, 15. You keep repeating this process over a three-month span. So it's, it's a lot of miles. Yeah. I don't know what it is, but it's a lot. So, so let me ask you this, getting to our point here. What have you learned about pushing yourself and stretching yourself through doing this? You know, I think it's amazing what the body can endure, um, and what I've learned most of all is, is just the mindset. You've got to have a mindset um, of the goal and end. And just like you were talking about, you know, the goal is Jesus. And, and in my marathon running, the goal is, you know, the finish line. And, um, and so you've got to have that end in mind. And, um, you know, you just got to put forth the effort, have that right mindset, stick with it. Um, and it's just amazing what the body can endure when you you know, kind of get your head out of the way, so to speak. The thing is, it seems to me, is you'll never know what you can do until you push yourself. Definitely. Yeah, I completely agree with that. Um, you know, far too often we put limits on ourselves. Um, you know, maybe it's our past. Uh, maybe, you know, we can't speak eloquently. Um, you know, there's something. There's something that, that Satan will use against you to tell you that, that you can't do something. And... Um, but you can, and Jesus is there with you, and he can use you, and no matter what situation you're in, um, if you'll just give yourself up to him and let him take control, and, and he can use you in so a keep, powerful keep, way. Keep, yeah, keep down that road just a second for me. So 
how do you apply what you've learned? Obviously, Paul thinks it's a great analogy. How do you, how do you take what you've learned in training for the marathon and, and apply it in your spiritual life? You know, I think as it relates to my spiritual life, um, in a marathon, there's highs and lows. There's hills that you've got to climb. And, um, you know, you're going to go through those struggles in life and in your spiritual life. And you just got to press forward. And there's going to be times where you're going downhill and you're kind of coasting. Um, and I think along the whole way, you know, you've got to keep the goal in mind. Like I said before, you've got to keep Jesus in mind. And, and there's an end. There's a finish line. Um, and I think that's what helps you to, to keep moving forward. Um, I think we had talked uh, about a wall that you'll hit during the marathon. And a lot of the friends that I've talked to who've done marathon says that, at some point, you know, maybe it's mile 13 when a lot of other people are finishing their half marathon, uh, or maybe it's mile 20 that you hit that wall and your mind's telling you, you know, just give up. You know, you can't, you can't keep going. And um, you've just got to press forward and uh, keep going and get your finish line. And Brian, I don't mean to embarrass you, but, but I've been able to watch you the last few years since you come here. And how have you stretched yourself spiritually? How have you applied that in some other areas? Uh, first of all, I'd say I would never in a million years think I would be in front of all of these people speaking. This is like completely out of my comfort zone. Um, you know, but I think God's used me in a powerful way. I never imagined that I would be, um, you know, a small group leader, uh, or a small group deacon. Um, you know, he's used me in a powerful way there to just be a blessing to others and, and how much they've been a blessing to me, um, the way that my relationship with him has grown uh, has been tremendous and, and just I feel like he's my best friend. Um, I know that I can always count on him. You know, I've got a men's Bible study that I'm a part of on Thursday mornings that Buddy's a part of. That's been a huge blessing to me and just, you know, getting up early and, and sharing the word with guys. Um, you know, God's just used me in a lot of different avenues. We've Me and Krista now are doing the, um, the ministry with the inner city and that's been a... A, a wonderful blessing at Gibbs Village. So, yeah, it's amazing if you'll just, you know, uh, let God use you, and uh, it's amazing what he can, he can do with you. No doubt he's blessed you, and you've blessed a lot of people, and uh, we appreciate you stretching yourself today to share for us. Uh, this is one of those other conversations where I had to beg somebody to do something, and he said yes. So give Brian a hand for, um, for sharing with us this morning. Thank you, brother. Thank you. Thank you. I love the, the focus, the determination, you know? Isn't it amazing that we're willing to put that towards something like a marathon? The most of us go, you know, I would never do that. And yet, how are we stretching ourselves spiritually toward the one thing that really matters? And so the first thing, guys, if we can get started, is if you've got to decide on a focus, because it won't happen if you say, I'm going to do this in every area of my life, in my rec area, in my business area, in my family area, you know, my work area, and everything. I'm going to stretch myself everywhere. If you try to stretch everywhere, you will stretch nowhere. So you've got to decide, what is the one thing? That's the problem with New Year's resolutions. We set too many. What's the one thing that's more important than anything else that you want to be focused on? So you get started by being focused. Number two, here's the key. You also must be forgetful. Satan's great tool is to keep us living in our past. You see, as we're about to enter a new year, 
You know, we're, we're preaching this sermon here on su- the last Sunday of the year 2014. In Birmingham, in our campus there, it'll be the first Sunday in the year 2015. As we're entering this new year, I want to ask you, I want to get real specific here as we close out. What do you need to leave behind in the year 2014? What is it? Because here, if you don't do this, if you're guilt-laden about your past, if you've got a sin issue or an addiction issue you've not dealt with, if you've got a relationship you can't get over, if you've got something in your past that's holding you back, you will never be able to pursue Jesus. And so, Satan might be okay with you being here today, as long as you go, I'd like to do that, but you continue to live in the past. It might be something that happened last year. It might be something that happened 10 years ago. I mean, you blew it in your marriage. You blew it in a relationship. You got caught up in a sin, and Satan keeps giving it back to you and bringing it before you over and over again. And because of that, you're never able to make the turn and pursue God. Well, friends, that's not God. God says here, you need to forget that. Listen to me. Not only has God forgiven you, but if you go back to talk to him about what you did in the past, he can tell you he doesn't even remember. He literally can forget it. For you, it's a matter of not letting it dominate your thought. So as we close the service out in in just a moment, we've got crosses all out throughout the, the worship center. In your bulletin, there, you should have received a three-by-five card. If, if you don't have one, uh, look to your neighbor and tear theirs in half, or Mike Talley's got a stack of them in the back, all right? But what I want you to do is to write down on this card what you're wanting to leave in the past. What is it that you don't want to carry into the new year? Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a secret that only you know about. Maybe it's a relationship you need to get out of. Maybe it's a dependency that has overwhelmed your life. Something Satan has tripped you up on. And I want you to do this. I want you to write it on this card. And while we sing a little while, I want you to go to the cross and put it up there on that cross to leave it in the past year. Now, I ask you not to do what a brother did about 10 years ago when we did this. He literally bought his pack of cigarettes up to the cross and left it there. And if you remember this guy, that afternoon he went back and got him back, okay? (laughs) So, I'm asking you, whatever you put up there, leave it there. And that's why we're going to be a little bit dramatic here. You say, this is sort of silly. No, it's not. Sometimes, guys, to, to make a change, you need to do something physical. The physical and the mental are tied. And you need to go to one of these crosses, write down what you want to leave in the past, and go put it on that cross and say, I'm leaving it there because Jesus has taken care of it. Why? Because the only other scripture where this term is used, this term to stretch, it's about Jesus. Look at Luke chapter 22, verse 44. Listen to what it says. And being in anguish... He prayed more earnestly, there's our word, and his sweat was like drops of blood falling to the ground. My friends, Jesus was wrestling to the point in prayer about your soul and about his life to the point that his capillaries on his forehead began to burst. It's it's almost unheard of medically, but we do know it can happen. 
And his blood began to be poured out for you there in Gethsemane. It was so intense because Jesus is facing your sins and my sins, all the sins of the world being put on him. So let me give you the biggest reason you ought to do this. Is because he's done it for you. I think Brian makes some great points. I mean, when you stretch yourself and you see your limits and you see how God can use you and you go beyond your comfortableness and you really start growing, oh man, that's, you are just going to be blessed incredibly. But, but let me tell you, an even higher motivation is Jesus, you stretched yourself out on a cross for me. You agonized over my soul. You were red hot in pursuit of me. And I can't help but pursue you. Let me show you these words one more time on the screen. Here are the different translations of the word we've been studying. And here's the last thing I want to ask you. Do any of those words describe you? Now, some of us will probably say, the truth is they don't describe me at all. I'm not really fired up about anything in my life. Some of us may say, well, yeah, they describe me about athletics. Or, yeah, I'm, I'm fervent about my job. Or I'm trying to make more money with everything I've got. Or I, I want that new house. Or I want that new purchase. And maybe they do describe one part of your life or they don't describe your life at all. But here's the question I'm with you to ask is do they describe you spiritually? Guys, let me tell you what's needed in our lukewarm day is we need some folks that are intense about following God, that are on fire about following God, who are not afraid to strain themselves, who are earnest, who are deeply, who give total effort in pursuing God and the things of God. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you will be blessed. And to start it, today, two things again. First of all, you've got to get the right focus. And the front row is open today. And if today you need to recommit your life to the Lord, or you need to confess something that the church needs to pray about, or you need to say, I've, I've been, I've, I've, none of those words describe me, frankly, buddy. None of, I'm not even close to those words. Somehow Satan's worked in my life. He's made me so mild. He's made the church so mild. I'm just going through the motions. And man, I don't want to go through the motions in the year 2015. And, and if you need to say that, just come up here and we'll give you something to write on. But for all of us, I, I guarantee you, there's something we need to put on our card that we're going to leave behind in this, this year. And we're we're going to put it on the cross and we're going to physically say, Jesus, would you take this? Satan, you don't have my permission to throw this in my face anymore because it's holding me back. I'm not who ought to be in my family. I'm not who ought to be in the church. I'm not who ought to be in the community because I've been holding on to this for too long. It is not from God, it's from Satan. So we're going to sing a couple songs. If you need to do one of those two things, this cross is all out through the worship center in the back, in the middle, up front here.
And there's a front row that's wide open for you. Isn't it great to be together? Amen? And isn't it great if together we could pursue God like that runner who's pushing, who's strenuous, who's fervent, who's on fire, that those words would describe me. I'm asking myself the same question. Do these words describe me? I'm asking you, do these words describe you? I'm telling you, if you do these two things before you leave this place, they can. And your new year will be a whole lot better. So let's stand together and sing and do what you need to do, all right?